Oh, it's great to be in worship. It's great to be in a place where we can focus on the supernatural and what God can do in our lives. It's so great to see the kids in here today on this family Sunday. We want to do that on the fifth Sundays of every uh, month throughout the year. And so we are so grateful for all the kids. All the kids in here. Let me hear you if you're here, if you're a kid, if you're under, if you're like in, in fifth grade or younger. Let me, let me clap. Do something. Cheer. All right, so I love it. I love it. So glad to have you guys here. I know maybe some families are joining from home. Also, as a church, we want to thank all of those who serve in our Park Kids ministry, the coordinators, the volunteers. Give them a hand for looking after our kids every single week. But more than that, they're teaching them. They're pouring into them. They're, they're helping guide them. And we are so thankful for that and the opportunity to all worship together. There's something beautiful about families coming in faith together. And families that invest in their kids and a church that invests in the kids for the next generation to know and to love the Lord. And so we get to do that as a church together, and that's a wonderful place to be. So we're glad to have them uh, in service today. So glad to have all of you joining as well online. Always great to be connected and diving into God's Word together. I hope you're encouraged and inspired today. So as you take a look at this, this picture, this image, um, what do you see there? Well, besides that one, yeah. You see a footprint, no big deal, right? A footprint and some dust and some, and some sand. What's the big deal? It's a big deal, isn't it? If you recognize this footprint, you recognize it's a big deal. This footprint was back from 1969, and it wasn't on any place on earth, but where was it taken? It was on the moon, right? It was on the moon. And so you look at this and you say, one small step. Well, I didn't say that, but somebody said that, right? One small step, what? One giant leap for mankind. How did we get to a place where a human being sets foot on the moon? Now, this happened before I was born. I was born in 1972. So in my lifetime, in almost 50 years, I've never gotten to be alive when there was a, a person on the moon. And I, I want that to happen again. That's pretty exciting. But how did that happen? Well, happened over years and years and centuries of engineering and development, but there was a moment back about seven and a half years earlier when JFK gave a, a famous speech where he says, we choose to go to the moon, right? He put that declaration out there. He put that vision out there saying, we will set foot on the moon. This planet, this, this, this not a planet, but this, this, this interstellar, see, I'm out of my league here once we leave this, our atmosphere. <laughs> the celestial being, no, that's, that's God, no, I don't know, whatever, this rock in the sky that's floating around. We're going to put a human being on there. That's a vision. And because of that vision, because of what that did, it began to unleash a series of events that led to that reality. So vision has a powerful force in our lives. We see vision in so many different ways that have been inspiring to the human race. You know, when we think about a great vision, a great dream, we, we think about the MLK speech, right? I have a dream. A dream, a vision where he's picturing, you know, his kids playing together, black kids and white kids playing together, that they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by what? By the content of their character. And there was this vision, there was this picture, there was this image that continues to inspire and to draw us forward to realize a better future for us. But in so many different ways, when we look at the technology around us, how many people are starting to drive electric cars, Right? Ford, after 118 years as a company, made its biggest investment ever into electric vehicles, $11 billion, because they believe in a future where they see a vision of people driving electric cars, that becoming the predominant way that it's going. And so a vision begins to drive where they're heading and where they're going. We live in a time where we've seen in the past year space tourism from three different companies. We're living in the future, my friends. Space tourism, I mean, is that going to become commonplace? 
Somebody had the vision for that, and it began to go after it, and it begins to happen. This week, the Olympics start. Any of the Olympics fans? All right, the Winter Olympics are happening, always fun to see. Well, what you know, and when you hear the stories of Olympians, so many of them, right, they have a vision that drives them. What is that vision that they have? They picture the podium. They picture their national anthem playing. They picture themselves wearing the training suit, right, of their, of their, comp- of their country, representing their people, working hard. They picture what it's going to take to get there. Some of them even have a physical picture of maybe, a, a, you know, an athlete that they admired who's wearing that gold medal and saying, I'm driving after that. I'm pursuing that. And they begin to turn their life and orient everything in their life towards that vision and towards that goal. Vision is a powerful force in our lives. It drives companies and countries, nonprofits, churches, people. It can do amazing things. And my hope and my desire is today to, to, to light a little spark to maybe get you to, to recapture a vision for your life if right now maybe you feel like you don't have a vision or you're not sure of what that is, but to know that God can speak that vision into your life. And so today in part four, we're going to look at supernatural vision, dreaming big, dreaming big. I'm so glad to have the kids in here, the park kids in here, the students in here, because vision is something that begins at an early age. And it's something that they could already begin to, to, to be led into and to hear God's voice speaking to them. And as parents and as, and as coaches and as teachers and as those who serve the kids, we get to pour into kids and help them see a vision in their lives. But I think it's also for some of us who maybe feel like vision has passed us by. How can we recapture that vision? Well, we're in this series, Supernatural. Supernatural because we believe that there's more in this life than, than what we see in front of us. My heart and my desire, even as we looked at, look at this year, moving forward as a church, Is there more than just the natural, more than just what we can do in our own power and strength? Because we need God to move. God brings life change. God stirs visions. We talked in week one about that that, that we're hungry for more. And I hope that you're hungry for more than just what is. And I believe a world is looking around and saying, is the church a place where we can experience more than just what is the natural world around us? We talked about God's intervention in this life that gives us hope that, that he can do some great things. We talked about miracles. Remember those, those moments where we say, wow, only God. And several of you have been sharing some of those stories with me, and you've been emailing me, letting me know on how you're seeing God moving in new ways, some stories in, that you've experienced in the past, because we see God moving in powerful ways. And then last week, we talked about supernatural prayers. Remember the five prayers? I love it when some people can remember five prayers. Five prayers, right? I made them easy enough for you, right? What was the first one? Help me, right? What was another one? Heal me, right? Provide for me. Guide me. Save me. Man, my job is done. I can go home. I preached a message, and a week later, you guys remember it. I'm so happy. That's all I can ask for. I can't even remember some of my own messages by Monday, so, you know, it's okay. It's okay. We believe God works in the moment. Um, But these are prayers we have to ask God to do something to intervene in our lives. And so we're looking at vision. All right, last week, you guys didn't do so hot on the uh, the verse for our series. Ephesians 3.20, you didn't have help on the screen. Have you guys been working on this? Ephesians 3.20, anyone? Anyone working on it? Online at home, give a thumbs up if you're like learning it. Ephesians 3.20. It was like this. Say it with me, right? Now, all glory to God, (laughs) who is able, I can see your eyes going up there, through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. It's this idea where we look at, here's what we can think, here's what we see, but God's able to do infinitely more. 
Even that last line, then, we can ask or think. So we would ask God, right? We're praying for these things. What are we thinking about? What, actually, thinking is imagining, isn't it? It's seeing something in the future. This is what I could think about, imagine, and God is able to do infinitely more than even that. And so today, I want to look at that word, at what we could think, what we could imagine, as some uh, passages and translations use that word. That's really another word for vision, right? When we can imagine something, that's really vision. So what is vision? I want to give you two definitions that, that how I would describe vision. One is this. Vision is a picture of a desired future, right? Quite simple. A picture of a desired future. You picture in your mind, you picture something where you go, this is what I would like to see. You have a vision in your life for a desired future. But vision, more than just that picture, is the second definition here. It's a lens. It's the lens through which we make decisions and leverage our resources and energy. So you have this picture, so that picture might drive you, but then it's this lens, like wearing glasses, that you look through to see how am I going to leverage my resources and my energy to accomplish that, like we talked about with that moonshot, right? Putting someone on the moon. That's the vision. Now, how do we leverage the resources and energy to make that happen? Well, think about in, in, in our lives. Maybe you're a high school student, and you're thinking about your future, and so many times we ask our kids, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up? I think everyone's been asked that question. Every kid, is, at some point in time, somebody asks that. I think a better question that I'm trying to learn to ask is, what difference do you want to make in this world? Not just what do you want to do, because we all know we're more than what we do, right? What difference do you want to make in the world? So let's say maybe you're in high school and you think, you know, I want to pour into the next generation. I want to do something that helps kids. And maybe um, I, I want to do something that helps them develop their creativity and, and what they're all about. And so you're thinking, you know what, maybe... Maybe a good place to go, that would be education. Maybe I want to become a teacher. Maybe I want to do something in music or in art, and I want to guide in that way. And, and so you, a vision begins to emerge based on what you're feeling and sensing and what God's stirring in you. Well, once you have that vision, let's say, I want to be an art teacher. That's your vision. I'll just hypothetically grab that out of the air. Right, Miana? Maybe? Just see, I'm here to also teach my children, right, uh, about vision for the future. But like you hold on that picture, I want to be a teacher. Well, now you have this lens through which you're going to work that process. Well, then i got to take certain classes in high school. Then i got to look for a college that offers that degree. I'm not going to college, go to a college that doesn't have that. Then I'm going to take the right classes and the majors. I'm going to leverage resources and energy and scholarship and eventually internships and whatnot. That path drives you. That vision leads you to that place. Maybe right now you're in a marriage and it's not a very fulfilling marriage. Maybe you're in a, a place of tension or there's, there's struggle. And you're, not, you're having trouble seeing what, beyond what is. Well, a vision can come, and you can start seeing a future where you go, you know, when our kids are out of the house, I imagine us being together in a harmonious relationship, enjoying life together. And you hold on to that vision that God can heal and God can restore, and you have that vision, but now you have to use that vision as a lens to leverage your resources and energy. What has to happen now? Because if you don't have that driving you, you're not going to get there. How are you going to invest in your relationship? Are you going to go on some dates? Are you going to buy some books and read those together? Are you going to get some counseling? Are you going to spend some focused time together? What are you going to do? And actually, we're going to be doing a, a series on marriage uh, in February, a little bit later. So we look at these things, and a vision drives us forward. I think about times in my life, especially where vision in cer certain seasons has been especially strong. Those are exciting times in life when you're driven by a strong vision. And the vision to, to plant a church back some years ago, that just consumed everything. Willing to sell everything, to move across the country, to go over whatever hurdles and barriers there are. To every day to get up and go, okay, what do we need to do? If you've ever been an entrepreneur or started something new, you're that, that that's vision is driving you every day to do what you need to do. And it's exciting. 
the vision that brought us here to this church to see what could happen in a church that has a great history and is well established. What could happen if God catches it on fire in a new way for a new season, for a new generation? What could happen next? That still holds me and still inspires me. That still gets me up. That's still why I come in here every day. That's what we talk about as a staff. Vision can move us forward. But I also know what happens in seasons when vision kind of gets dull. When vision gets dim, when you feel like, man, I'm not sure what's next. Or maybe your world was rocked by an event and all of a sudden what you thought would happen isn't there. The future you imagined is no longer what's there. And all of a sudden it's hard to take steps, isn't it? To move forward. During the pandemic, I think we all experienced some of that. right? We, whatever plans we had at the beginning of 2020, I don't remember anyone saying, I'm going to lead through a pandemic. Nobody said that. No, nobody dealt with that with family. Nobody knew, right? So we were all disrupted. And we can see what anxiety that has caused and how, when we only live day to day and try to react in the moment. It's hard. We need to be able to set our sights for something longer and we're learning how to recreate our vision. Do you have a vision for your life? Do you have a vision that drives you, something that moves you in different areas of your life? What, are, what is that vision? Because I think some of us don't have a vision. I think we just kind of go with the flow and days happen and weeks pass and months pass and we just kind of go with the flow of where life takes us. If you don't have a vision, you can't see where you're going. Have you ever been in a car where your windshield completely fogs up while you're driving? It's a scary place to be, right? I remember driving and we were in Colorado one year and, and had the kids in the van and I'm driving and all of a sudden the windshield fogged up but more than just being able to reach up and kind of quickly wipe it, it had kind of like a thin layer of ice on it, and because and, it was really cold, just started the car. Thought I was going to run the car off the road. I mean, it's, I mean, you, you can't see, right? Vision is like that. When you don't have a vision, you're just driving blind. Some of us, the vision has faded. You had a vision when you were younger. This is what you were going to do. This is what you're going to be. This is the difference you're going to make. And now you're just living the American dream. Working every day, doing what you need, right? I mean, not that working every day is a bad thing, but you're not driven and moved by, by a bigger purpose and a bigger reason. How do we live those visions? Listen, a clear, God-given vision gives your life direction, meaning, purpose, and passion. When you have a God-given direction, right, this idea, of, there's, there's a meaning, there's a direction. I know where I'm heading. There's purpose, there's passion, and it lights us up. Otherwise, we just roll over in bed again and just go back to sleep. There's, why, why am I here? What am I doing? This is so fundamental to what God has called us to do. So how can we receive a compelling vision, a supernatural vision beyond the American dream? I want to talk about that today, and we're going to look at a cool story. But first, let's, uh, let's just pray and ask God to open our hearts to hear what vision he might want to speak into us this morning. Heavenly Father, just in this moment, we just pause and we ask you to speak. As we look at our lives, as we look at the different areas of our lives, God, would you renew in us, would you stir in us something today? Light a spark, just begin to ignite that fire in us that would lead us to, to do and to be and to experience life as you have created for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We're going to be in, in a, a story today in 1 Samuel chapter 3. 1 Samuel chapter 3, if you want to turn there in your uh, phones or in your Bibles. Uh, looking at a story of Eli and Samuel. It's one of my favorite stories. It's a story I, I loved as a kid as well because there's a kid in the story. And I thought that would be a great story today for us too as we've got the, the children here in worship together and, and students. In this story of, of Eli that we find, Eli and Samuel, the, the context is that Eli is the high priest. 
And he's serving in the temple, which means he has the primary responsibilities, and, and he, he offers the sacrifices and leads the temple and worship and prayer to God, inter, interceding with him. And, uh, and, and there's this woman, Hannah, who comes with her husband every year to the temple. And they offer sacrifices, and they have their normal ritual and routine, but she doesn't have a child. And so she desires a child from God. She prays for a child. She asks God for a child. She said, Lord, if, if you would give me a child, I will dedicate him to your service. And God answers that prayer. And she names the son Samuel, which means promise of God or God's promise. And so Samuel becomes that promise, and so she holds true to her promise. She keeps bringing him back every year to the temple, and she says, when he's old enough, when he's been weaned, when he's ready to go, I'm going to bring him and dedicate him to the Lord. And she does that, which is hard to imagine right now. Please don't bring me your children to raise them in the, in, in the church all by myself. She literally left her son with Samuel. My wife is shaking her head, no. <laughs> Let's do the village thing with raising our children. All right. Um, so Samuel comes, and she brings him to the temple, and now he's being raised in the temple. And he's there every single day. He's alongside Eli, and he's learning what it means to, to be a leader and to be a, a, a priest, to hear from God, to, to do all those different things. And so we, we pick up the story here in 1 Samuel 3, verses 1 to 10. I'm not going to have it on the screen for you. I just want you to listen to it or follow along if you have it with you. Meanwhile, the boy Samuel served the Lord by assisting Eli. Now in those days, messages from the Lord were very rare, and visions were quite uncommon. One night, Eli, who was almost blind by now, had gone to bed. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was sleeping in the tabernacle near the ark of God. Suddenly, the Lord called out, Samuel! Yes, Samuel replied, what is it? He got up and ran to Eli. Here I am, did you call me? I didn't call you, Eli replied. Go back to bed. So he did. Then the Lord called out again, Samuel. Again, Samuel got up and went to Eli. Here I am. Did you call me? I didn't call you, my son, Eli said. Go back to bed. Samuel did not yet know the Lord because he had never had a message from the Lord before. So the Lord called a third time, and one, once more Samuel got up and went to Eli. Here I am. Did you call me? Then Eli realized it was the Lord who was calling the boy. So he said to Samuel, Go and lie down again, and if someone calls again, say, Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. So Samuel went back to bed, and the Lord came and called as before, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel replied, Speak, your servant is listening. Then the Lord said to Samuel, I'm about to do a shocking thing in Israel. And he begins to tell Samuel a message that was actually kind of a heavy message for him about how God was going to hold Eli and his sons accountable to some of the mishandling of the Lord's work that they had done. But what we began to see is that Samuel began to turn his ear towards the Lord and hear from him, and it says later in that chapter that the Lord spoke regularly through Samuel as a prophet to the people. And so here we have this, this story of Samuel hearing from God, beginning to learn to tune his ear into him. So here's a couple of things I want us to learn from the story. The first is this. The voices we listen to determine our vision and direction. The voices we listen to determine our vision and direction. See, it said in verse 7, Samuel did not know the Lord because he had never had a message from the Lord before. Right? Which is understandable. He didn't know how to listen to God. So he went to Eli, who, had, who he had heard from before, whom he had listened to. 
And I think sometimes it is with us, like maybe God's trying to speak to us, maybe God's trying to say something to us, but we're not used to hearing from the Lord. We don't, we don't know what he's saying. And maybe it takes a second time, maybe it takes a third time, maybe God's been trying to get through to you for a long time, but we're not dialed in to hearing what he has to say. We may not realize that he's trying to speak to us. And so what do we do in the absence of God speaking to us? We do what everyone would do. We cultivate our own plans and our, our own process and our own programs, our vision for our life. Who are you listening to? Who are you listening to when it comes to discovering a vision and a plan and goals for your life? Listening to the wrong voices leads us in the wrong direction. When we listen to the wrong voices, it leads us in the wrong direction. See, what I find is the world is more than ready to tell us and give us a vision for our life. Everybody wants to give you a vision for your life. Everybody wants to tell you what you need to do, what you should be about, right? If you're in school, you know this. If you're a teenager, you know this. Everybody has, this is, what, this is what you're supposed to be. This is what you're supposed to look like. This is how you're supposed to act. This is the music you're supposed to listen to. These are the goals you're supposed to have. Supposed to, supposed to, right? Who are we listening to when we're older? Listen to Wall Street? This is how you're supposed to invest. This is how you're supposed to look financially. Or listen to Madison Avenue. All the ads, you should have this to make you happy. This is going to give you the best life that you desire. Hollywood is constantly in our face, right? This is what it means to be beautiful. This is what it means to be fashionable. This is what it means to be accepted. This is what it means to be famous. This is what it means to have influence. Washington, D.C., the media. What scares me the most is how many Christians have a vision that is stronger from Fox News or CNN than they do from the Word of God. This is how we're supposed to be as Americans. This is what we're supposed to do because this is who I'm listening to. This is who I'm listening to. Oh, you're just listening to that. Yeah, we hear it from all sides, but who are we supposed to be listening to? Social media. Who am I supposed to be because of what TikTok shows me? What Facebook tells me? What Instagram tells me? What Snapchat shows me? The reels that are showing, the social influencers, they're the ones. i got to get a lot of likes. I gotta, all these visions, right? In the absence of God's vision for our life, we're going to pick one of those. They're all influencing us. Who are we listening to? Listening to the wrong voices leads us in the wrong direction. We need the help of other people like an Eli. <laughs> especially the next generation, needs the help of an Eli. That's why I'm so thankful for those that serve and park kids. This isn't babysitting, my friends. We don't need babysitters. You know what we have? We have people who are pouring their hearts and lives into kids, and you know what? You don't have to just be, like, good with kids. Well, we want you to be good with kids. But, I mean, we can train you in that. You just have to love kids. You have to want to pour into the next generation and to serve in that way to help them hear the voice of God. What's God saying to you? You may be in second grade, but what, what's God beginning to stir in your heart? How's he developing you? What's he stirring in you? I love in our student ministry, the coaches that are pouring into the students, meeting with them every week, sitting in, in a small group, talking about life and faith. What are you dealing with? What are you going through? What, what might God be saying to you? But you don't just have to be in, in park kids or in our student ministry. We've got life group leaders. When you get together... We've got teachers and our growth tracks and the classes that meet in the, in the mornings. We're looking at God's word. We're learning. That's why worship is so important as we turn to God's word. What are we hearing? What are we listening to? How are we being shaped? So who are you listening to? Who's influencing your vision and your direction? The second thing is this. God has a unique vision with your name on it. Isn't that cool? 
God has a unique vision with your name on it. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. God's planned for us to do some good things. He's planned for them long ago. We're going, okay, well, how do I hear that? How do I know about that? What, What does he have for me? And then to think in terms of that, okay, God's planned something for me, and he calls out to us, and he says, Samuel, Samuel. You know, I've never heard the audible voice of God, but maybe he's calling out to you, right? Maybe he's saying, Anaya, Anaya. God has something for you. George, George, are you listening? Mark, Mark, are you listening back there? Are you listening? Phyllis, are you listening? Phyllis, Phyllis, Angie, right? God's calling out to you, and he has a vo- this calling for us. And see, this is where we have to understand, is the supernatural real or is it not? Did God only speak in biblical times or does he speak now? Is it only like, Noah, go build me a boat, right? Moses, lead my people into the promised land. Joshua, take them across the Jordan. Dreams and and visions, Mary and and Joseph, you're going to give birth to the Son of God. Did, Did it stop with the biblical times when God would speak and reveal his plan to us? See, we read in the Old Testament in, in, in Joel, the prophet Joel. He's speaking on behalf of God, and, and God's telling him about what it's going to be like in the future. And what it says here in Joel chapter 2, verse 28 and 29, he says this, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy, your old men will dream dreams, and your young men will see visions. In those days I will pour out my spirit even on servants, men and women alike. There's a day coming where God's spirit will be poured out on everyone, not just the, the, the singular prophets to hear from God, but that his spirit is available and accessible to everyone somewhere down in the future. Well, when is that? If you flip your pages in the Bible and you get to the book of Acts, And you read in Acts chapter 2 where Peter is preaching and the Holy Spirit has come after Jesus ascended to heaven. And he left him with the message. And on that day of Pentecost, uh, the Spirit came. And you know what Peter quotes when he's teaching the people? He quotes this very verse. What he's saying is this is the moment, this is the time where we have experienced God's outpouring of his Spirit. And let me ask you, is anyone here present or watching online excluded from this ability to have God's spirit and to hear God's vision and voice. So, it says all men, all women, young and old. It's not just for the kids to have a vision for your future and, you know, we're just old and curmudgeons and we just go through our daily life. No, God gives new visions for each and every one of us. God can inspire you whether you're, you're 80 or whether you're 8 and anywhere in between. God's vision can come and he can speak to us in that way. So there's a vision, he's calling, it's got your name on it. Now the question is, how do we hear it? right? Who are you listening to? There's a vision with your name on it. The third part here is vision is birthed from listening to God's spirit. So what did uh, Eli say to Samuel? What is he supposed to say? And he said it here in verse, uh, chapter 3, verse 10, speak, your servant is listening. That's how we listen. We, we have to get in a posture of listening to God. Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. Have you ever said that to God? I mean, I know last week I talked about the prayers, right? And that we're really good at saying to God what we want. (laughs) Help me, heal me, (laughs) save me, rescue me, right? But speak, Lord, your servant is listening. And just to be in a posture of listening, it's really hard, right? Because every spare moment, what do we love to do? We've got headphones in, we've got our, our, we can't wait three seconds, right? And our phone goes out. We've got two minutes and everybody's on their phones, right? Social media, news, email, texts, something going on. We fill every minute. 
but to get slow enough to hear and say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. So I want to tell you four quick ways in which that, what listening looks like, what listening to God looks like. The first is straightforward. It's read the Bible and reflect. We know, and the Bible tells us, that God's word is living and active. You're not just reading a book with, with print on paper. You're reading a book that comes to life. The words come to life. They're living and active. God speaks through his word. How many times have you read God's word? Have you spent some time and God begins to tell you something? Because you're reflecting on it. You're doing that. We're teaching our students in, 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 in our student ministry every day. Get in, your, get in the Bible. Spend some time with God. It begins to help you set some of that direction. And what if you read the, the word and just before and after you said, speak, Lord, your servant's listening. And then you start reading. And then you finish. You say, speak, Lord, your servant's listening. And you just listen. And connected to that is the second. Pray and meditate. Pray and meditate. Get quiet. Reflect. Spend some time listening. Not just telling God what you need, but asking him and saying, God, I'm going to sit back. I'm going to listen. Speak. Your servant is listening. I'm going to crowd out the other noise. I want to dial in on you. I want to hear what you have to say. A third way that we hear from God and the way we listen is to dream and to imagine. Let me just camp on this one here just for a little bit. To dream and to imagine. Now, dreams are what God gives you. We don't really have a lot of control over our dreams, right? But imagination and imagining is what we do when we're alert. It's a gift that God has given us. Our imagination is truly a gift from God. Let's, practice, let's do a little experiment right now, okay? Um, you can leave your eyes open or closed if you want. I want you to picture an elephant. Now, picture the elephant yellow. Picture the elephant with purple polka dots. Picture the elephant holding a little tiny umbrella, riding a unicycle on Mars. Okay. I bet you we all had a fairly similar picture in our mind about something that we've never, ever seen before. It's a gift that we have. It's an ability to imagine, to envision something that is not yet. And so God gives us these visions. That's how we can have a vision, to see something that isn't yet, to picture something that hasn't happened in our life yet. A great question to ask is, what, what could be in the world? What could happen? What, what, what's possible that's out there? What, 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 what could be in, in this world? And we begin to imagine what could be. What could be different in my school? What could be different in my church? What could be different in my life group? What could be different in my neighborhood? What could be different in my marriage, in my relationship with my friends, with my family? What could be different in, in my career? What could be different in my schedule? We begin, we begin to ask this question, what could be? It isn't yet, but what could be? And as that begins to shape and as that begins to form, we ask God to speak into that, then it begins to start building in us and we start saying, you know, not just what could be, but, but what should be. Not just it could, but, but really it, it should. This should happen. This, this is important. This is something I need to be about. Eventually it becomes a, no, you know what? It must be. It must be. And then when you get to a place where it must be, you begin to turn, turn your life in that direction and let that vision begin to guide you forward. What could be? What should be? What must be? What do you imagine? Let God speak some pictures, some images into your mind where you see your life in a different way. You picture yourself in that place, in a certain way of relationship. You, you picture the influence you're having, the difference you're making. It's a powerful thing. This, just, just this last week, um, I guess a day or two ago, I saw a news story locally here. A couple of um, high school boys, I think, at Bishop Watterson high school here locally, and they were talking about how they had heard about this orphanage where there was a, a, a in, in, in Asia, 
There was a connection here to Columbus, and they started just seeing that, that we got to do more than just be in our bubble here. We need to make a difference. What can we do? And these two guys decided to make a difference. They decided to raise some money, to raise some awareness, and they set a, a goal, a lofty goal of $3,500. They're like, we're going to raise money. We're just going to start. And imagine being a high school student, and if right now I said, raise $3,500. Not an easy thing. It's an intimidating goal. You know how much they ended up raising? $53,000, Okay. And without all the details of that story, though, they, they had a vision. They saw something, and they realized something's got to be different than it is now. I'm going to do something about it. They began to make a plan. They began to do a fundraiser. They began to get the word out. That vision drove them. And in the end, something amazing happened, even more than what they thought could happen. We need to dream and imagine. It's one of the ways God speaks. The fourth, I think, is important in how we hear and listen is actually to talk and share. What I mean by that is when God begins to birth something in you, don't share it prematurely, but with trusted people and as it's beginning to get shaped, begin to speak that out. I think about what we do as our leadership team and our staff and with our advisory council. Here's what we think we're seeing, what God is doing, what the direction that we want to go, some, some things we want to do. And we begin to share it and we begin to refine it. We begin to look at it. And even think about the MLK speech. What happened when he shared his dream? You know why that's so powerful? Because so many people wanted that dream, and he gave voice to that dream. He spoke out that dream. And when we share visions, other people can begin to tie into those visions and say, I want to be a part of that. I want to be a part of that. We get into God's word. We pray. We listen. We spend time dreaming and imagining what could we. We talk with other people, and vision begins to emerge in that moment. And then the last point here, the four, is this. God's vision for you is always bigger than you. See, I don't want us to just get into the small thinking of just, you know, I just want to have a little more money and have a little nicer house. I mean, that, that's, a, that's a subvision, okay, in a subdivision. All right. But we were looking for, we're looking for other dreams, bigger dreams, right? God's vision is always bigger than your dream. If your vision is only as big as your ego, it will only ever serve your ego. It'll never go more than that. It'll never inspire. It'll never draw other people in. We need a vision that's, that's bigger than that. And God, in Samuel's day was preparing him not just hey Samuel I have a vision for you one day you're going to be high priest and you get to run this place you're going to get to be in charge that was not about the vision it was not about him being in that role it was about him being a prophet about speaking about leading other people to speak for a nation and to guide a nation forward and that is the power of a big dream I think about Hebrews 11 verse 13 Hebrews 11, the great faith chapter, where, where it lists all these men and women, the amazing things they did in, in the Bible and, and the faith that they lived. And it says this, all these people died still believing what God had promised them. They did not receive what was promised, but they saw it all from a distance and welcomed it. They agreed that they were foreigners and nomads here on earth. You might be going, wait a second, that's not inspiring. They didn't see what was promised. They died without experiencing the whole promise because their promise and the vision they had was bigger than them. It was something that outlived them. It was something that the next generations were going to need to do and to be a part of. And yet they died and they saw it. They saw it from a distance. They saw it in their minds. Moses, as he approached the promised land, didn't get to enter it, but he saw it. And he led as far as he was called to lead. And when we tie our vision into a bigger vision that God has for this world and for people, we begin to find our place and our purpose and our direction. It's got to be bigger than us. It's got to be something that, that only God, right? If it's not only God, then it's a natural vision. You can accomplish that. Put your money in the bank and earn a certain amount of interest, and you'll reach that goal of whatever it is. That's natural, okay? But you want something supernatural? we got to have supernatural help from God. 
Jesus himself said, you know, unless you're connected to the vine, he says in John 15, right? If you're not connected to me, apart from me, you can do nothing. You can do nothing. A supernatural vision requires us to get on our knees and to ask God to help. So let me ask you, have you asked the Lord to speak? Speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. Speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. What's he telling you for your family? What vision is he giving you for your future? What vision is he inspiring for your school or for your community? What vision might he put in your heart for this church or a ministry within this church? Say, speak, Lord, I'm listening. I want to be a part of what you're doing. In John 14, 12, Jesus himself said, you're going to do even greater things. You're going to do even greater works. Can you imagine that? Jesus saying, you're going to do even greater things? This is the big vision. This is what stretches us. Jesus is saying, don't just settle. There's something big I have for you. One of my favorite quotes that I need to keep coming back to because it's easy to shrink back into what is natural and what is doable, but it's dream no small dreams for they stir not the hearts of men. We dream small dreams. We get small because we play it cautious. We want to play it safe. We don't want to fail. But to dream big, to think about greater things that God can do. And I believe, I believe that a world is looking to the church. They don't know they're looking to the church, but I think if they look at the church, they want to see people who are inspired by something bigger than just what is. And all the other voices that are influencing them. A church that has a vision, that has, a, has something in their lives that individuals are tying into, saying, I want to be a part of that. The call of God on our lives, the mission that he's given the church throughout the generations. What does that look like in this time, in this space? And for us to be people who get up every morning, who get up and face life and say, I know why I'm here. I know what this is about. I know what I'm going after. And if you don't, ask God to guide you in that. You know, as a church, and re one reason I want to start with this year with this series of Supernatural is I believe God is moving and God is calling us to the next season for this church. We've been in a time of transition over these years and COVID has challenged us in different ways, but God is birthing a something new. A sprout is springing up. And, and a theme of word that keeps coming back to me is just this idea of renewal. God's saying, see, I'm doing a new thing. God's doing something new, and I want to see that renewal. And as we're talking about our, again, with our leadership in the church, where are we heading? What are we doing? Some of that renewal will be in this physical place. We want to renew this physical structure. It's time to do some of this renewal, and we're working on what that's going to look like and when we're going to do that and when we're going to link arms to make that happen. But our vision's got to be more than just renewing a physical structure. It's about what this would represent and the renewal that takes place in, our, in us as people and the renewal that can take place in people that come to know Christ and how we leverage our technologies to do some new things and asking God to be so involved in this and blessing this beyond what we can imagine. Who are you listening to? What vision is God sparking in your life? And how can we join together to be part of a mission and a vision that is bigger than any one of us individually? I believe when we do, that meaning, that purpose, that direction, that's a wonderful place to live. And I believe God desires that for us. He's calling you by name. Will you respond? Speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for your word that continues to remind us, God, that you are alive, that you are active, that you are speaking to us. Father, help us to have a heart posture to hear you, 
to listen to you. God, I thank you for the kids in this place and the students in this place and the college students and those beginning their, their lives in, in fresh new ways and careers and, and family. Father, for those that are in the midst of, of life, those that, are, that have lived a lot of their life and are here to encourage and to inspire and to lead the next generation and to show us, God, that you still speak visions and dreams. God, may we be a church and be a people that hears your voice, that hears you calling our name and in faith and obedience, stepping out and saying, yes, Lord, I'm here, I'm listening, speak. God, thank you, Lord, for your promise. Thank you for your word that has stood throughout the generations, for the many that have gone before us, that have led to this place, and God, for us to do our part in what you've called us to in this world, to bring your hope, to bring your life to a world in need. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.